Hey, you made it. I'm glad you're here on May 31st, 2020. I am winging it today, and I hope you like We're All Here. That's right. My name is Kat Jones. I am your host, and I am usually joined by my co-host and bro and sound producer, Mick G, but he didn't answer. Oh, no. That's because Mick G is sick. And uh, you may have noticed the words sound producer in there. And um, yeah, so if this episode sounds horrible, it's because I am not a sound producer and McG is sick. Not with the COVID, but sick nonetheless. And um, you may notice that we do not currently have a May 30th out. And I do not know why. So you may be getting a May 31st before a May 30th, but I'm going to see if we can backdate that. So it looks like we've done one every day because we sure did one every day and I am going to lose my mind right now. Uh, so I have no banter um, at all. I guess this is going to be a short one. I don't think I'm sounding very good on my microphone we'll see I don't know we are winging it together we're getting through it together just like we're getting through this year together um we are going to talk about the conservative Jewish movement and their uh journey toward um extending marriage equality to everyone so we are uh well Our story for May 31st is in 2012, but we're going to go back to uh, 2006 in December. That is when the... Okay, Mick G would make me shut up and and start over, but I'm not doing that. So, beginning with the approval of the Responsum Homosexuality, Human Dignity, and Halakha, I think is how you pronounce it. I'm going to be saying that a lot this time, and I listened to pronunciations and I can't do it for some reason. So anyway, um, yes, homosexuality, human dignity, and halakha, a combined responsum for the Committee on Jewish Law and Standards. Since then, they've been um, evaluating how the changing cultural attitudes towards uh, the queer community in general might and should affect the Jewish religion. So this was created by rabbis Elliot Dorf, Daniel Nevins, and Avram Reisner. Uh, their goal was to answer the questions, what guidance does halakha offer to Jews who are homosexual, which intimate activities are permitted to them and which are forbidden, and how shall conservative Judaism relate to gay and lesbian couples? And so there's an excerpt, and it starts. it, it starts with, Hebrew, which I cannot read, but it translates to, Each generation demands its own interpretations of Jewish law. As the Torah says, When a matter shall arise that confounds you, you shall go and inquire of the judge who shall be in that day, and they will tell you the law, which is Deuteronomy 17, verse 9. Um, And so, basically, that means that um, every generation looks at the generation they live in and the, you know, what's around them and who they have 
become over time. And then they, they look at the Torah and Judaism and the religion and say, does this hold up with our times? Should it be retranslated? Is it possible to take what it says and make it adapt it to the current world and if not then you know then not you stick with your you know your current religious practices but in this case um they really had to evaluate since it it really did it does affect members of their faith you know and they did do a lot of research into that which they they found um so they found that they, they cited um, our modern knowledge that sexual orientation exists as it is. It can't be cured. It can't be changed into heterosexuality. And so recognizing the permanence of sexuality outside of the argument of whether it's nature or nurture prior to the time someone becomes conscious of their own sexual identity. Because, you know, uh, it seems like so many people and so many religions and stuff, um, especially Christianity, like the... the uh, branches of Christianity right now that think they can, uh, you know, conversion therapy and all that. They, um, it just seems to be this argument about, um, nature versus nurture and, and an argument about where it came from. And, and this is saying like, it doesn't matter where it came from. It's right here. And these people are these people right now. And how we treat them right now is what matters. And so, They um, acknowledged the mental and emotional anguish that was experienced by queer individuals who, uh, because of their faith, because they are in, they are conservative Judaism, they don't want to be in the other, you know, sects of Judaism, Um, they have mental and emotional anguish, Um, they have to be forced into either a life of celibacy or false heterosexuality, and so neither of those um, was helping with the high rates of suicide as the study cites, um, as well as unseen damage to spiritual, mental, and physical health. So they concluded that the forced celibacy and social isolation that was experienced by the Jewish queer community violates the human dignity of, um, the queer community. And so, um, There's this excerpt I have that I like. Um, The Torah is possible. It is the gift of life, not a path to suffering and destruction of the physical self. The Torah and its commandments are love, though like any true love, they demand heroic commitment from those who would embrace them. In demanding that observant homosexuals avoid all sexual conduct for life, contact for life, the halakha is not asking for heroism, heroism, heroism it's not asking for heroism but inviting failure and i like that a lot um i know and they mention a little bit that it does kind of conflict with other religions that require celibacy of you know like priests or or other people like that but then it does also acknowledge that those people made a commitment to their god that they were not going to do this actively willingly uh knowingly and um, that is not anything that was pledged by someone just because they're not heterosexual. And it, it's not fair to expect them to adhere to that when that's not a pledge that they made willingly 
at all, you know, willingly, unwillingly. So the conclusions of this was, uh, one, gay men are still expected to refrain from anal sex, which it says explicitly anal sex, uh, as it is explicitly banned according to the accepted interpretation of the Torah. Two, heterosexual marriage is the ideal. Bisexual Jews should choose to marry Jews of the opposite sex. Uh, For those who are incapable of being in a heterosexual relationship, the ban on gay and lesbian affections is hereby suspended based upon the Talmudic principle of kvad habrat, which is the obligation to preserve human dignity, which is a very, very big part of Judaism. And, um, you know, anytime they're thinking about reforming it or, or how it fits into a new understanding of the world, a lot of it, it comes down to human dignity. Um, and so then three, gay and lesbian Jews are to be welcomed into the synagogues and all other institutions as full members with no restrictions. They're also welcome to apply to the schools and institutions to attempt to become rabbis or other educators. And four, while the concept of committed relationships between same-sex couples is now accepted, the committee is not prepared to make a decision about marriage for non-heterosexual couples. These relationships can be celebrated exactly the same way you would celebrate a marriage in Judaism, but it is not to be considered marriage or civil union. And this is because it was not within the scope of their... Um, writ or whatever it would have I don't know it wasn't within their scope to determine whether there should be marriages or not it was just um how does it affect our I don't know do you say congregates congregates I guess how does it affect our community um if we don't allow these people to be who they are if we if we force this false heterosexuality on these people and, you know, these awful outcomes that come from it, how can we, you know, avoid them? So that responsum, which is not a word I've ever heard, but led to the creation of the rituals and documents of marriage and divorce for same-sex couples uh, written by the same rabbis, and that was adopted on this day in history, so that is what we're technically talking about, even though I think I had more information about the other one. Um, it was written by the same rabbis. They, uh, it was following their previous responsum, um, and so it's kind of an appendix to it. And they were asked to research and create ceremonies and documents of commitment for same-sex couples to be able to marry, so like actually marry. So when they said they can't rule on whether or not um, you know, marriage should be allowed or anything like that, they um, have now been asked, to evaluate, make sure that, yeah, we do want them to be able to get married, and here are the ceremonies that we've created. Because um, previously, um, the ceremonies were gender-specific. Like, it is groom, bride, male, female, and so they had to decide whether um, new ceremonies should be created and what they should look like, that kind of thing. Um, so, um, they also, oh, and they also had to create a way for them to get divorced because again, divorce, divorce was, I mean, it would take me forever to even get into the, what I was reading about divorce on, on 
there on this just this response that they made so um they wrote that uh in their original response and they wrote that same-sex relationship should be celebrated and treated with the holiness of heterosexual marriage but that they they were not official or on the same level as heterosexual marriages because they're distinct from relationships called in the talmud according to the law of moses and israel and i don't exactly know what that means but i i mean i think it i think i got the idea that moses and israel it means male and female i guess um is is kind of i the reason if i were to give you all the information for this it would take probably three hours and it would be all wrong because it's me and I don't want to be super wrong. So these um, authors met with rabbis from across the spectrum of countries, movements, beliefs, and even religions. So they could form like the best opinion and best ceremonies that would fit within conservative Judaism while also preserving human dignity, like they were, you know, were saying. And remember, this was three years before the United States legalized marriage equality. So they had we, they had legal things to consider, like the fact that individual states recognized marriage or only recognized civil unions or domestic partnerships. And then you had states like Kansas where you could marry your 12-year-old cousin if her mom agreed to it, but then you could get shot for just living with the same gender, you know. Um, And so they found the same issue among rabbis, uh, by which I mean not the marrying your cousin part but choosing to perform full marriages differentiating by terms or rights various legal status those kind of things like so it was for you know it was different state to state area to area but then it was also different from like rabbi to rabbi and so there was nothing uniting it but that also kind of helped them form the idea of of what um, the wedding ceremony would come to be. Um, I've lost my place. They've decided that all marriages should be treated the same, uh, with the same nomenclature and status. They were like, uh, like they literally said, basically, like we're not getting all tied up in semantics and fr- frilly words and you know whatever. If we're gonna use the same words. It's gonna have the same status. It's gonna mean the same thing. And the ceremonies could be practiced anywhere, but they couldn't legally be recognized in a state that did not legally recognize the same-sex marriages um, of any religions. So um, they found that uh, but even among rabbis that were in favor of uh, marriage equality, they were split on whether the ceremony should be the same as heterosexual ceremonies or whether... Um, they should be distinct for whatever reason the couple decides. Like, you know, they want to be, you know, different or it's like, you know, it's not heterosexual marriage. It's it's like it's a marriage, uh, you know, everyone's marriage is unique, that kind of thing. So, um, and they got the same reaction when they asked, like, their, you know, um, I, for, I forgot words. Queer. <laughs> forgot the word in my show uh when they asked you know like queer congregants or queer um 
Sorry, I don't know what the cat's doing. Sorry. And so this new interpretation of the marriage rights, it, it's also led to a strengthening of heterosexual marriages um, and like the, the growing egalitarianism. egalitarianism it's 7 a.m. I haven't slept, y'all. Of, uh, of marriages across the board. So women used to be completely owned by their husbands. And the ceremonies have slowly been starting to move past that view. And like you could argue that they are completely past that now. But I mean, you could also, you know, get on any sort of feminist site and have an argument about wedding veils and whether you should be wearing them or not. And um, I wore a wedding veil because I am woke and I will do what I want. Uh, good Lord, I should sleep. Anyway, so, um, with these new changes, though, um, marriages truly no longer have a hierarchy because, like, in a marriage with two husbands, who owns who, you know? You know, in a mar in a heterosexual marriage, you've got a man who owns the, who owns the wife. Who owns who in a marriage with two men or two women or two of any gender of, you know, non-heterosexual necessarily. Um, so it's made marriage of any kind a joining of equals who have made their choices together. And so the new ceremony is called the Covenant of Loving Partners, which I think is really sweet because it's not trying to use language to sneak around it not actually being marriage or not actually being legal. It actually is legal. It actually is a marriage. And it still uses the word partners in a way that doesn't mean domestic partners or anything that implies it's not a real marriage. It's just like you are loving partners together. This is an actual marriage. And then when it's legal, it's actual legal marriage. You know, it's, it's not like, you know, getting around anything. Um, and so they also had to create new divorce proceedings. Um, and they came up with a new prenup, which is fun. Um, and just from what I've seen, it kind of seems like a prenup is a required aspect of the ceremony beforehand. Like you have to sign the prenup and then you can go get married. Um, and the couple gets to marry under a canopy and do the thing at the end where they stomp on the glass, which I think is just lovely. I don't know if you could do that in like any civil ceremonies or anything before, but, um, I just, I don't know. I like the idea of getting to marry under a canopy because I know it's such an important part of a lot of the different branches of Judaism. I know it's really important. Um, and then someone's going to call me ignorant for not explaining why the glass, stomping on the glass is important or whatever. And just so you know, I did research it. And in the words of Tevia, you may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. No one knows how the tradition started. Uh, if you go out to Wikipedia, you can get several different opinions. If you go to your local synagogue, or if you're in Topeka, one of your several local synagogues, uh, you'll get different answers. So, you know, it, it, they're all good answers. They're all very symbolic, and I like them. Um, and then, as I was reading through this, then they give the text of the new ceremony, and it's in Hebrew, and I'm out. But basically, it's... Here, I found something... Let it be known that our souls are bound one to the other with bonds of love and mutual devotion, and that it is our intention, with God's help, to be exclusively faithful to each other all the days of our lives upon this earth. I like that a lot. I've managed to talk for 21 minutes. I'm sorry, guys. I must be... 
Y'all must be so bored. Oh, gosh. And so now McGee usually does the social media. Woohoo! Um, you can find us on Facebook. We are queer all year. If you would like to join our Facebook group, and I demand that you do, that is the Queer All Year Mafia. And you will notice I did not have McGee there to say mafia with me, and I'm sad. Um, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Queer All Year Pod. We have a TikTok, I think. I'm not sure. Uh, you can find us on all of your podcatchers. And if you could give us a rating and review wherever you listen to us, that would be amazing. And spread the word. Tell your friends. If your friends look at you weird, then like just sit them down and make them listen to uh, an episode. Maybe not this one. Uh, I'm not sure about the quality of this one. Um, and I'm sure I'm forgetting something else. You can contact us at hello at queerallyearpod.lgbt. That is our email. And I think that's all the social media. Oh, uh, check out Patreon. I just spent all night and morning coming up with just all this list of things I'm going to talk about. Oh, I'm so excited. So there's going to be bonus episodes like crazy out there. There's um, our ring, our um, theme song is a ringtone. We have some videos out there of like us jabbering before we get started so you can see what it's like before we get started. I did not do that for this because that would have just been me staring at the screen, scrolling and occasionally typing something and then scrolling and then going, oh crap. And yeah, so um yeah, join us all those places. We have fun. Um, obviously, we work super hard. McGee's worked himself into a coma, basically. He's not really in a coma. That's not why he's not here. Don't take me seriously. Apparently, my sarcasm does not come across, uh, as I've learned several times lately, actually. Um, yeah. Anyway, th we have a unicorn who gives advice, and the unicorn... Uh, gives the same advice every Saturday and Sunday, either because she takes the Sabbath off, and I'm not sure which, I guess for this episode, the Sabbath is Saturday, um, or she's lazy. Um, maybe she's lazy. She's a unicorn. She doesn't need an excuse. Uh, but so, and you don't even know what she said yesterday because that episode isn't up, so, oh. So today, on Sunday, which you've never heard, she says, dream really, really big. And... I like that. So, absolutely, dream big, and remember that wherever you are is exactly where the universe wants you to be. Oh, and uh, I just realized I don't have the outro music from McGee, so um, here is a little snippet of What's Up by Four Non Blondes, because it's an excellent song. Um, yeah, go listen to the song. Enjoy. Twenty-five years out, my life is still trying to get up that great big hill of hope for a destination. I realized quickly when I knew I 
I should that the world was made up of this brotherhood of man, or whatever that means.